Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, making progress at the Labor Department is automatic. And a customer experience leader at the VA shares her secrets to award-winning success. It's Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. More than 85% of the recommendations of the Cyberspace Solarium Commission are on track to implementation, nearly implemented or fully implemented, according to the new iteration of the commission. The Commission 2.0's annual report on the recommendations notes the stand-up of the Office of the National Cyber Director and the reestablishment of the State Department's cyber diplomat. The commission rates 10 of the recommendations as having limited progress and two facing what it calls significant barriers. You can read more about that story and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Voting's open for the 2022 edition of the FedScoop 50. You can vote for your choices until September 30th. We'll announce the winners November 3rd. You can find a link to see the finalists and place your votes in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Krista Kennard of the Labor Department is the 2022 winner of the Service to America Medal from the Partnership for Public Service in the Emerging Leaders category. She and the other winners received their awards Wednesday evening at the Kennedy Center. She tells FedScoop's John Hewitt-Jones the story behind her medal. Really, I think what, what brought us here today is taking the Department of Labor from zero RPA bots to the, the number we have now, which is over 30 in production and even more on on the horizon. Um, and I think it, it really started with engaging with the Department of Labor mission areas and understanding, you know, what what is the part of your job that you hate the most? What is the most tedious, repetitive, mundane thing? How can we automate that so you can actually focus on the work that you're trained to do and requires that intelligence and that training and that compassion that you have as a human. And it it just kind of grew from there. We were able to start collecting ideas and and building automations and getting them into the hands of of the department. You you mentioned uh, on stage uh, about the creation of your role and and the work that you do with the office of the CIO. Um, Would you be able to speak a little bit about that and, um, and tell us why you think having an AI chief role is so important in federal agencies? So I think there's a number of reasons why it's important to have somebody leading automation and artificial intelligence um, adoption across the agencies. One, these aren't easy technologies, right? And and you really need to bring um, a lot of technical knowledge and expertise to the table to make sure you are building good products and building good products that um, are responsibly implemented, right? We certainly don't want to be building bots or artificial intelligence that is replacing people or hurting people or introducing any kind of bias. Um, And then the the second reason I think that it really needs focus is you really need someone who is fully dedicated to engaging with the, the people who do the work of the Department of Labor and really deliver on the mission so that you can understand what it is that, that is holding them back or is making their job tough and really be able to develop and, and give them a customized solution. On stage, you also mentioned the role of acquisition and how important that is for, um, uh, for, the, for the implementation of technology within federal agencies. Would you be able to give us a little bit more of a flavor about how you've worked with the federal acquisition regulation or how you've worked uh, in innovative ways to, to procure artificial intelligence and other, other kinds of advanced technology? Yeah, so I have partnered with our senior procurement executive at the Department of Labor, and he is very dedicated to ensuring that when 
the department does the procurement, we ensure that we are doing business with companies and vendors and, and private sector partners who have the ability to deliver on um, the work and the, the services and products that they say they can. And so he's really dedicated to doing a robust contractor responsibility determination. And that really means that our procurement professionals do their homework on, on these vendors. They evaluate their financials. They evaluate their past performance. They evaluate, um, you know, their, their ability to deliver. And they look at so many different sources of information. And it, it is so time consuming to log into a system and go through and click through and find exactly what you're looking for and then go through another system and bring it together. He really wanted to be able to streamline that process so our contracting officers could really do a robust yet efficient assessment to say, yes, we can do, um, do business with this, this vendor. We know that they can deliver on what they're promising. So it sounds like the quality of contracts is key. It, it absolutely is. So it's really important that we, we do business with quality vendors. Imagine the government spending millions or, or more, right, of, of taxpayer dollars on a vendor that just can't deliver, that's wasted money, that's wasted time, that's wasted effort. Whereas if we invest in doing business with, with true partners, right, who can deliver on the work, that is such a more efficient use of our, our taxpayer dollars and, and such a more effective way to deliver on the mission of government. And Krista, we hear RPA, AI, these terms thrown around a lot. Um, do you have any other thoughts on, on best practice and how... Um, Use new technology can be implemented within other federal agencies? I think it starts with responsibility, right? Engaging with the people and understanding what it is their challenge is, um, and then bringing the technology to the table and ensuring that the technology is actually solving the problem. And finally, what would you say to any technologist considering a career in federal government? You should absolutely do it. I love being a Fed. Honestly, these are our society's hardest problems. And in the 21st century, technology will absolutely be a way, a part of the way that we solve that problem, right? So it's, it's a great career to um, apply your technical skills and really make an impact on the world. Krista Kennard of the Labor Department at the Service to America Medal Ceremony last night. You can read more about the Sammy's winners in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast. Leaders from the Defense Department, CISA, and lots of other government agencies are coming to Cyber Talks this year. It's happening Thursday, October 20th at the Waldorf Astoria in downtown D.C. You can find a link to the agenda and registration in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The winner of this year's Service to America Medal for Management Excellence is Barbara Morton, the Deputy Chief Veterans Experience Officer at the Department of Veterans Affairs. She tells FedScoop's Nahal Krishan how she got into the customer experience sphere. As with anything great in life, you sort of fall into things. Um, Mm -hmm. So I knew coming out of law school um, and grad school, I knew that I wanted to work in government. I knew I wanted to kind of serve a larger mission than myself and and have the opportunity to make a greater impact beyond just me, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was very happy to, to join the Department of Veterans Affairs um, about 16 and a half years ago. And <clears throat> I started my career there at a group called the Board of Veterans Appeals and attorney by trade was helping judges adjudicate appeals for um, veterans claims for benefits that they'd been denied at a lower level. So I kind of had a, an up close and personal viewpoint of Mm -hmm. how difficult the system was to navigate for veterans Um, and so 
when the opportunity came came by to sort of help um, stand up this new office called the Veterans Experience Office in 2016, I jumped at the chance because I knew it was something that aligned with my ideals in terms of really wanting to earn the trust of veterans and really wanting to make sure that we in government could serve them the way they needed, not the way the bureaucracy kind of might lead us in some ways. So I really was fortunate to have this opportunity and, and I jumped at it. Gotcha, gotcha. It makes sense. And so, so, so it, the position was created for you. It's not that it was like something you tried to create or tried to create this team. Like, well, so it, was, so it wasn't created for me personally, but it was it was a new office. So in 2015, the office was established. January 2015, I was asked to come over, um, and I joined in July 2016. So it was a brand new okay. office in VA, brand new office uh, in government. There were only a couple of customer experience offices in government at the time, and VA was it was certainly the first mm-hmm. at VA. And do you know, like, why that team was created in the first place and that you were tasked to lead it? Like, was, was there some set of, like, challenges and issues and, like, structural fractures that caused this Yeah, need? so so this was sort of a... The Veterans Experience Office was created in, in January 2015 as sort of a direct um, result of the Phoenix VA Medical Center wait time crisis, which mm. had occurred the, yeah, the yeah. spring before in April 2015. I, I lived in Phoenix, so I've so heard I, at the time. Yeah, yeah. So that was a really difficult time, of course, for veterans, first and foremost, and, and also for the department. So we had um, a new secretary come in, Bob McDonald, in April, excuse me, August of 2014. He's an industry guy, right? Procter & Gamble times 20, 30, 40 years. And I think he saw as a key symptom of what had happened in Phoenix, the fact uh-huh. that we, VA, didn't have a mechanism to sort of channel the voice of the customer to signal to us something was not right kind of going on in the field. So there were a lot of operational measures that people tracked that looked fine, but we weren't able to sort of see and recognize what the customer was telling us. Hey, we're having trouble getting appointments scheduled. Hey, there are extended wait times. And so he created this office as as a direct result of Phoenix. Uh, as in there was like a looming emergency and crisis in Phoenix, but there was no sort of advanced understanding or recognition Correct. of exactly. it. Uh, exactly. There wasn't any yep. early signal. And that's the power for me of this concept of experience because you can look at all your operational measures, which, you know, number of appointments scheduled, number of surgeries conducted, number of new enrollees, all wonderful measures to kind of keep track. But what you don't see are the experiences tied to those things. So if the experiences are bad, there's something else at work here that we need to sort of be able to uncover and address before another crisis like this happens. So that was really the sort of original vision um, of this office and the philosophy of the office. I see, I see, makes sense. And so, you know, to to go into a more granular level Mm -hmm. than you were obviously able to on stage, Mm -hmm. you know, so what have been some of the key components of the of the veteran experience mm-hmm. office and like what metrics do you evaluate yourself by sure so so we have a framework that we've established um, and really it's pretty simple trust is our north star you heard a lot about trust today on stage and sort of that is our currency in my opinion in government we've got to earn and maintain the trust of those that we serve and that's sort of critical for our, maintaining our democracy we also have a, a couple of other elements that we measure that are tied to um, an interaction being easy, being effective, and being emotionally resonant, meaning I, as a veteran, feel like I was valued in my interaction with VA rather than feeling like a transaction. So trust, ease, effectiveness, and emotion is our framework, and we tie all of our customer experience measures back to those kind of global drivers. Gotcha. And but how do you measure all those things? Like, are you guys Surveys. constantly like surveying and pulling Surveys them? Surveys are or? one methodology. Okay. Human centered design is another. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that practice, but essentially, it's it's um, qualitative research, talking to your customers, talking to veterans mm-hmm. and their families, and really understanding what matters most to them, 
right? And having that guide our way as an organization to say, okay, this, this type of experience matters most to veterans. Let's devote time, energy, resources to making sure that's dynamite and not just focus on our operational measures, which sometimes do not totally align with what is needed in an experience realm. Gotcha. And so I'm curious, is there any sort of like narrative arc from like 2015 till now, like 2022, when it comes to that like qualitative research? A narrative research arc? And, and so- yes, there's a narrative <laughs> arc. And the narrative arc, oh my gosh, I love this. You know. A, a cheers. Cheers to the narrative arc. So yes, and I will bring us back to the North Star, which is trust. So uh-huh. when we asked veterans in 2016, a uh-huh. very simple question. Yeah, paint the portrait, yeah, Do you yeah. trust VA uh-huh. to deliver on its commitment to veterans? Uh-huh. Only 55% of veterans who were asked at that time either agreed or strongly agreed with that statement. Likert okay. scale, one to five. Uh-huh. Four and five being agree or strongly agreed. 55%, that's uh-huh. like a D. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not great, right? Yeah, yeah. Fast forward to today, and again, thousands of efforts by thousands of people over many, many years who share the same vision, which is to give veterans a dynamite experience. Mm -hmm. We measure trust, the same question we asked today. Mm -hmm. And we now stand at 76% of veterans either agree, again, four or five, or strongly agree on that Likert scale, same question Mm -hmm. with that statement. So over a 20% increase in trust. Veterans are telling us that in the last five, six years. So proof the same metric. Same same question, Mm -hmm. same measure, and trust is our North Star. And you have Secretary McDonough, who introduced me today, who is a staunch champion that trust is the North Star for VA, will continue to be. Mm -hmm. And he asked us to produce a VAY, what's called a VAY trust report. We published that. He wants to keep us organizationally on the hook Mm -hmm. for these measures, not just the operational measures, but for the trust and the ease, effectiveness, emotion, the experience measures. Mm -hmm. We publish that on va.gov slash trust each quarter. Mm -hmm. So everybody can see it and you can tell us how we're doing. Gotcha, okay. Makes sense. Narrative arc? Yeah. Check. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> so, so I'm curious on the topic of narrative arcs, like if there have been any like major differences or similarities in like pushing this ship forward mm-hmm. under President Obama and mm-hmm. then under mm-hmm. President Trump mm-hmm. and now sure. like uh, obviously under yeah. Biden. Like I don't know if there's been like sort of nuanced differences in approach or what you've been allowed or not allowed to do. So we've been very fortunate that um, we've been able to bridge customer experience as a secretary level priority across administrations. And I think one of the things that I've noticed as a career, you know, public servant is that you have political appointees who come and go with administrations and the bridge to these types of initiatives that are going to cross administrations really lie with public servants, career public servants. That's the continuity. So we've been able to kind of seed this movement in VA culturally, in the, you know, the, the public servant, the career um, public servants, that we all kind of believe in this mission. And so whatever administration comes in, we've been able to bridge that and kind of make sure they understand this is a cultural and organizational priority. It's how we must do business at VA. So we haven't had any, you know, we haven't encountered any challenges with that. Oh, there's been no pushback. Nope, Secretary. any political official. From Secretary Bob McDonald to Secretary Robert Wilkie, who was Secretary under the last administration to Secretary McDonough, we have been able to successfully um, gain their support to continue to set customer experience, the veteran experience, as a top VA priority over the last number of years. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. So, um, 
So another thing I'm curious about, so, you know, we're a tech publication, that's a mm-hmm. lot of our audience. So I'm, I'm curious to understand a little bit more about the VA website. Oh, and yeah. like, oh, I'm so glad you, know, you asked. Yeah, yes. like, you know, what sort of, <clears throat> in a more, like, detailed way, sure. like, changes that have been made to the sure. website and how that affects veteran. Yeah, so, so we're very lucky in VA. We have um, a really coalition of the willing, like-minded thinkers um, in our chief technology officer's office. And we've been able to sort of work together to use human-centered design, which again is this practice of just talking to your customers and channeling their feedback into system design and improvement. And we've been able to sort of enhance the VA.gov website, um, consolidate websites under that banner. Why? Because veterans tell us if they want to transact with VA, they would go to VA.gov. So we wanted to make it easy for them, single front door, if you will, digitally. Mm-hmm. And so in partnership with our brothers and sisters across the VA, we've updated the website, top transactions are up front, personalized login, right? I mean, things that you expect in your real world outside of government, <laughs> you actually are getting that service. Veterans are getting that service on VA.gov. We've also thought about how might we you know, sort of attract the younger generation, the next generation of veterans. And we know they're all, you know, very digitally focused. So we've been able, VA, we VA have been able to launch VA's first ever flagship mobile app. And I encourage you to check it out. It's um, super high rated, 4.8 out of five stars on the um, the app store uh, ratings. And it's designed, co-designed with veterans. So what they want to see, what transactions they want to complete, we include those and we update the, the app on a regular basis based on their feedback. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, app, apps definitely. <laughs> yeah. It make, makes, makes a difference. Uh, it, it, it is a big deal. And so do you know much about the data on like that's collected on the website and then the apps and like, you know, how that's treated and how, how that's cared for? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, at a high level, I mean, obviously security is our, you know, data security is a, is a non-negotiable. I mean, that's, that's top priority, um, for, for us in government and VA as well. Um, but in terms of actual, I'm not a data person, like specifics of data, I know we leverage it to kind of create that integrated experience, but in terms of anything else, you'd probably have to talk to a data person. I'm For sorry. like cybersecurity or, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, or we, safeguards or. Yeah, I mean, there's there's everything that you would expect probably and more in that realm um, because that really drives trust, right? If we can't protect someone's information and data, like how are we gonna earn their trust? Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, I think that would be somebody who's a data person would probably be more informed. To yeah, talk about that. yeah, yeah. So on the topic of trust, actually, so I'm curious, you know, on the one hand, it seems like there's like a pretty great website or at least mm-hmm. significantly better than yes. it was just some num- some years ago. It's, mm-hmm. it's much better, the, the customer experience. But at the same time, we have like the electronic mm-hmm. health modernization effort, which yes. has been a pretty huge, colossal, huge. Yes, yes. you know, issues and a failure by mm-hmm. many people's accounts and mm-hmm. at least in the five hospitals. How do you like square the two and like, you know, do you, do you play a role in, in the modernization effort and the customer experience there? Yeah, so I mean, this is sort of part of that cultural change, I think, at VA. And we, my office has been involved in really kind of gathering insights about what veterans want from a digital platform, whether it's a portal or a website. And we certainly have offered that to this implementation. Um, and so that's that's definitely a voice that we bring to the table. And, you know, I think it's hopefully going to be an influential and impactful one going forward. Gotcha. But, but sort of... Do you think, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, you've had some, you've had a good number of successes with customer experience in other mm-hmm. parts of the, is there, is that something you feel like you can bring, like, what, what, like, in what way do you think 
yeah, so this, this can be better approached because, you yes. know, like what, what is your analysis of the problem mm-hmm. and how, yeah. you know, so it I could think, be better tackled I think from one your of, lens? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we've kind of brought to bear is this concept of sort of like what is our overarching digital strategy at VA? And you see this in the customer experience executive order, which hopefully you've, you're familiar with yeah, and read. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it, it's yep. really about sort of an integrated experience. So veterans, we don't want to shift the burden to veterans and their families to have to sort of, you know, log on to one website or one portal and sort of have that disconnect, that fractured experience. So what we advocate for is making sure that whatever implementation we do at VA holistically, that we keep the veteran at center and the drive for us to have that kind of integrated experience so they don't feel the burden of all of our back-end data implementations and systems implementations. Creating that sort of um, seamless experience for them is really what we advocate for. Yeah, and exactly, and so that's exactly why I'm curious. So, you know, on the topic of a seamless experience, it seems like right now, like one veteran's data is being confused with another veteran's data in the electronic health rollout. And you know, so I'm I'm curious, you know, how you see mm-hmm. things like that working because it's that that this part of EHR is clearly not seamless and your thoughts on like why that's occurring. So I would probably defer to the EHRM team. I'm not an expert in that, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think there, you know, sometimes you have um, backend data systems that need to make sure that they're talking to each other in the right way, but I would defer to a, a data ex- expert to speak to that. Gotcha. So yeah. your team is not specifically like working to try to improve the experience of the EHRM. So, so we have, I mean, we've offered sort of these kind of global insights and sort of a, a strategy in terms of what the digital experience should look like. Like for big veterans. picture. Oh, yeah. hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, we're, and, and we have a great sort of, and it sounds bureaucratic, but we have a wonderful governance structure in VA where we do have a a seat at the table in governance in terms of, you know, discussion and debate around, you know, different parts of, you know, any sort of transformation effort, whether it's EHRM or other other things. Uh Um, So we do offer that. We do bring that to the table, which is Uh, great. Broadly, but you're not involved in a day-to-day, like this is not like a major part of. So, so we, I mean, my office is involved in, in a variety of ways, but we don't sort of run that portfolio, if you will. So we store some um, some data on behalf of the customer so customer contact information for example mm. so we're involved in in that respect but we're not running the EHRM implementation yeah yeah in any significant manner yeah I see and so I, I was curious uh, your thoughts on the VA trust report mm-hmm. that like came out after the mm-hmm. VA Phoenix Hospital and like and how things like that have played a role within you know, your efforts. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, so the trust report was was um, something that Secretary McDonough mm-hmm. asked us to publish, and that's been um, out on va.gov slash trust for, I think, about a year. So it wasn't mm-hmm. as a result directly of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, you know, a leader who really wants to keep us all accountable mm-hmm. for to veterans. He's, you know, he, he really wants to make sure that we're being transparent about how veterans tell us we're doing. And so that trust report to me is incredibly valuable because it keeps us all very cognizant about the opinions that veterans have of us. Mm. And trust is really just that opinion. And and that's an important measure of our performance. Again, thinking about the operational measures, which are very important, how veterans perceive us, how veterans feel about us is equally as important. Mm. So I think it's been really impactful in kind of keeping our orientation around experience and sort of how we make veterans feel in our interactions. Gotcha. And I've just got to be mindful of okay. time. I'm sorry, so, I've got to okay. run back la, la, in, but... Last couple. Yeah. So one, like I've, I've heard in a number of articles, like you talking about and uh, about hardwiring empathy into the VA guidelines yes. and, 
and regulations. And, you know, OMB's A11 guidance talks yes. about this. How exactly do you do How do you hardwire something like empathy into laws and regulations? Like, you know, like, how does that translate? So I, I think it's about, a lot of it is about sort of getting back to basics and seeing, having us culturally, organizationally seeing the person on the other side of the interaction or transaction. And so knowing government, I think, is a really critical part of that. Um, this is where public servants and career public servants come in. Understanding how you are able to sort of hardwire something into the fabric of an organization, I think you can probably only know that from the inside or from experience, prior experience. I don't think it's possible to come into a brand new organization and feel like you have a solution and copy and paste it from another organization. I think you need to understand the guts of an organization and what matters to the employees to be able to seamlessly weave it into the culture and make it relevant for them. And thankfully, we have a dynamite mission at VA. It's not a hard connection to make sure we want to take care of yeah, veterans and be the best for them. That five years. Yeah. And very lastly, I was curious, yes. what, what, so what keeps you up at night? Like where, where do we have like scope for improvement? Like what, what sort of challenges? Oh, it's, lay oh, it's never over, right? It's never over. There's never a destination. But like currently, what are the current sort of priorities so, keeping you up? Yeah. So I would say, I mean, there are always opportunities. Um, and I would, allow, I would sort of defer to what veterans tell us let the veterans experience lead the way in terms of things we need to address. One of the things we are working on, and this is part of the president's management agenda, is the transition experience. We know that's a difficult experience from service member to veteran. Um, and so that's one of the things that we are working on in support of the president's management agenda, which is awesome. Okay, Super so that's exciting. like a big priority huge, in yes, terms of priority. like on things that you hear from. Yes. That's one of the And you'll hear more hear. about that, I'm sure, in the coming months. Barbara Morton of the Department of Veterans Affairs at the Service to America Medal Ceremony last night. You can read more about the Sammy's Awards in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. If you really like the Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast returns Monday. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks very much for listening.